Alright, so NBA All-Star voting just ended a couple days ago. I think that was uh, Thursday, if I want to be correct. Yeah, Thursday when they announced the uh, starters on TNT. Right, and of course the starters were for everybody that knows or don't know, or maybe just need a refreshing real quick. The West captain was LeBron James. LeBron James. With also... Um, Which is funny, real quick. You know, remember after the first... Uh, Yes, yeah, Return Steph was leading, so I, I I thought it was gonna be one of the first times LeBron thought somebody was gonna finally overtake him, um, but he pulled it out in right. the end. So on the West for the starters, you got LeBron, uh, Nikolai Jokic, Steph Curry, first timer John Morant, and first timer Andrew Wiggins. Mm. And that's the West All Stars starters right now, as of now. And the East goes Trey Young, Kevin Durant. Joel Embiid, who are the, who are the DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan, my bad, and um, Giannis. And Giannis answers the Copo. Of course, this is funny though. We gonna get into this, but shout out to Eric, shout out to of course, as always, the first timers, John Morant and uh, Andrew Wiggins. Are those the only first timers this year? Uh, so far, because of course they haven't announced the reserves right. yet. But, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's cool for your first time to be a starter. Right, definitely. Because this is Trey's second time. Yeah. And also, yeah, so. second time, second time as a starter as well. Yep. But shout out to all those players that made we finna really get into this topic in a minute just because of how crazy it was on NBA Twitter. But I'm John W. It's fresh X. And it's the Hoopers Hour on Nothing But Net Radio presented to you by Dash Radio. So if you saw them announce it on Twitter, I think um, that's the all-star starters is, especially the West. I think – one name stood out among everybody. Um, of course, everybody was high on John Morant making it this year. As long as Steph and LeBron play, they're going to be starters for the most part. And Nikolai Jokic, all he got to do is play as well. But Andrew Wiggins, the fifth starter in the West, his first time, first time All-Star, first time All-Star starter, had NBA Twitter in a frenzy. And not just like fans or people who uh, post independent content, writers, podcasters, bloggers, or whatnot, but it even had some media people and players in a tiff as well. And of course, we know they were talking about Andrew Wiggins because he's the only player who people felt like didn't deserve to make it as an all-star starter. But as you brought up to me you know, a little while ago, we were headed to your basketball game about how no, we were leaving. Um, but you brought up how you know I questioned it: could Andrew Wiggins be an All Star this year? Yeah, we had we talked about that a couple weeks ago, maybe early early in the month. So probably about three probably three episodes, three four episodes ago for right. real. But as I was explaining back then. You know, even to this, to right now, it still stands true. There was a lot of injuries, like just in the front court in general. Paul George, Kawhi, Anthony Davis missed a lot of games, so you can count basically count two of those three out. But then, if you just look at the season that Andrew Wiggins is having, he's having a really good season. I know last year he started off kind of slow and he picked it up, but this year he came out the gate. He came out the gate so far. He's averaging about eighteen and a half points. I ain't gonna get into the assists and rebounds because I'm pretty sure it's like four and five apiece. Then he's also adding, um, I don't know what the number is right now, but for the most part of the season, he's been an elite three point shooter. And when I say elite, I don't 41% mean. 41% on the season. There we go. And like I say, when I say elite, I don't mean total and league average 34, 35, 36. Like he's shooting, he's been their leading three point percentage wise shooter for Golden State for most, of the, for most part of the year. And it's just funny because Andrew Wiggins is one of those players. He was the number one pick. He was the rookie of the year. That's what, like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to be. He's been a, basically a 20-point scorer his whole career outside of maybe one season in Minnesota and his two years in uh, Golden State so far. But to see a player get rewarded for having a good season and being in a big enough market to where the fans are recognized that on a winning team, why are we surprised that he's an all-star starter? In all honesty, like, I don't get it for real. Right. And Wiggins is a guy who I initially, when he first came to came to the Warriors, and when Clay, so I'm going to just take it back when he went to the Warriors and then Clay gets hurt. I initially just, think, just thought this is how I viewed him. Um, like, all right, Clay's hurt. He's just going to step up and be the number two. Scoring wise, as far as averaging twenty a game, he's averaged twenty 
before, and he didn't. He wasn't doing that initially. I mean, he didn't do it overall for the season. So I, you just looked at it as him having a bad season, which he did start off pretty slow. But as he got comfortable with the Warriors, he locked in defensively, which is what he said he wanted to do um, there. And his efficiency just took kind of another step. Uh, like la- last year, he shot a career high at, at three-point percentage, shooting 38% from three. 47% from the field and you come in this year still kind of in that rhythm 48% from the field 41% from three so he had career highs last year got other career highs this year not a career high scoring because he only had 18.2 a game he was 18.6 last year but to be shooting 48% from the field 41 from three and then you just add I mean, he's probably going to be all defense, whether it's first team or second team. He's probably going to make make that. I think people, you got to reward what he's doing. You got to appreciate what he's doing. And I am, am a guy, you can go back and listen to past episodes. I've never really been high on Andrew Wiggins. Right. I, I never thought he was – I mean, he's, he's – He's been a solid player, but I never thought he lived up to be the number one pick. I view number one picks as people that are supposed to be franchise-altering. And some people thought he was going to be franchise-altering. I, I never really saw that in him, so that's kind of how I judged him. But people are like, if when you look at the response on NBA Twitter, everyone feels like that if the person that they think should be the, supposed to be an all-star then that means it is wrong. But why can't it be looked at as a way of saying, instead of saying this who should have made it? Because obviously, I thought Paul George might have still made it since he's played some of the year and then he was just been an injury replacement or whatever. But the people haven't seen him in a while and Paul, Paul George isn't, no disrespect, he, he isn't, I don't want to say he isn't highly liked, but clearly over the last few years, people have kind of liked to Sour see him fail or yeah. whatever. So, so it's not surprising that he didn't stay up there in the top with voting. Kawhi's been out all year, so that's not surprising. So, I mean, that did open up an opportunity for him to get the spot. So I I do think it should have been met with a little bit more of appreciation and salute and the jump that he's taken to contributing to winning, to really locking in defensively, which is what a lot of people always wanted to see him do. And even though he's taking a slight step back in score, I mean, his career high is 23 points per game. He averaged 19 um, his first year in Golden State, I believe, when he got traded there or whatever that first half. He was by 19 a game, so he been kind of took the step back scoring. We've seen Jordan Poole emerge as a scorer. Steph is usually around 27, 28 points a game. So it's, it's more so about him being efficient. But either way, to, to wrap it up, I, I was surprised to see as tough as it was in the 2000s, as people were were on people, when somebody like Wiggins does get that spot, or even, I mean, just look back to last year when Julius Randle had the season that he had, it was met with a lot more appreciation. It was like, yeah, he should be in MVP conversations. I mean, this man just made his first All-Star game, and he gets the first, He's he's a starter. And everything is initially, oh, he's going to be the last player to get picked. He's the worst all-star ever. But it should have been, look at the jump that Wiggins has made going from an owner having to ha- have Wiggins convince him to give him a contract because he wants to know he seriously, he takes basketball seriously to him showing it and contributing to a winning team. So you got to salute the progress that Wiggins has made for real. No, nah, yeah, for sure. And even just to stick with um, all-star voting just for a couple minutes more. But, like, even I know, of course, people <coughs> saying, yo, Devin Booker should have been got that spot. or uh, Wiggins is in another front court player. Right. So, right. right. To my point, I'm going to go ahead and just get to the point then. Well, no, I, I, I was asking. No, yeah, yeah, he's in there as a front court player. Okay. But, yeah, because like, John Steph would be yeah. the guards, obviously. But the thing is, I seen somebody saying that was how they formatted. Why is it, you know, it's because, you know, it's why they got to, like, we got, why does it have to be like that? You know, there's no position. This is the thing. They've already changed the format once because y'all said that the center position was a pointless, it was pointless on the all-star ballot because there wasn't enough good centers in the league, truthfully. So now they switched to back two back court players, three front court players. Like, even if it was the old format, guess what? Devin Booker's still not starting. Donovan Mitchell's still not starting. Neither one of them was going to start over Ja or Steph. Yeah. Um, is that, the, like, I even, 
Like uh, I'm saying, somebody wanted to uh, say Luca should be starting over Andrew Wiggins. Well, Luca's not. A, he's a guard. He's, he's a, not a front court player. Which he still. So you, he would have to. Ja got their spot. So yeah, they need no. go. They need go holler at Ja. And in the words of Kevin Durant, if you feel like I don't, you know, if you feel like he don't deserve that spot, go play him for. It. Yeah, the only. He never do that, but the, go play the, him. For the it. only de- de- debatable player for him. It's really nobody, honestly. Like when you think about a front court player, of course, when you go front court, you, now you, you go. Rudy you can so you can say go go bear or cat. That those were the first cat. Cat was the first person to come to mind. Dray- and people throw Draymond Green in there. Cat yeah, was the first person to come to mind to me, and then I'm like, Golden State so much better than Minnesota. I would have gave it to Wiggins. So you go cat, you go go bear, and some think Dray- I don't even think Draymond's an all star this shit, but some some would say Draymond. I can see why Gobert wouldn't get the votes over Wiggins. So who that that's his competition for that spot, honestly, when you think about it. So I mean it, it makes sense, honestly. Paul George is out, Kawhi is out. I mean, so he he stepped up to the plate. Thanks. Anthony Davis missed a big portion. Yeah, of Anthony, Anthony Davis. So, and I think people forget just to go back to the Luca one real quick. He makes a big portion of the season. He's only been back like a week and a half, honestly. Right. Yeah, Luca's been out a long time. So, so, I mean, it all makes sense. And with who was available, I mean, when you really think about it. I hadn't even really thought about that like that until now, honestly. When we thought about it, it, it was the opportunity for him to get the spot. So, salute to Andrew Wiggins for making the team. But with the conversation we had, it all started because I was like, people were going to be upset if he wasn't an all-star. So, he was good enough to be an all-star, but he was not good enough to be an all-star starter. I just think somebody could compare shade. I mean, he, even that spot would be Zion. Zion is out. That's another. That's another. He was a starter. He was, well, he, he was a replacement starter. But he was he was voted into the all-star game last year. So, that's another spot that's out. Like, I saw somebody say Brandon Ingram. The Pelicans are terrible. Brandon Ingram's not making no all-star game. No. Actually, somebody, like I say, somebody compared shade numbers to Andrew Wiggins. OKC is terrible. No. No. And Shay's a guard. Right, once again. Uh, you know, Brandon Ingram's a, a forward, but I would – I'm about to pull up Brandon Ingram numbers for real quick. And why are you doing that? I want to go to the East All-Stars because, of course, as we know – Yeah, I would take Wiggins over. I mean, 20, he averaged 22 a game. He's shooting 34% from the field and 44 from three. I would take Wiggins. Say that right. 34 from the field, 44 from three? I mean, 44 from the field, yeah. 34 from three. Oh, uh, yeah, Wiggins having – truthfully, having a better season. They're having a – yeah. Especially when you add in defense. But we go over to the yeah. East with Kevin Durant, who we know won't be playing because of a sprained MCL. Who do you see taking his, his place as a starter? If you had to pick somebody right now, who would you put right there? I don't know. Once they put out the reserves, it'll probably yeah, be Zach Levine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, once the reserves are announced, I would start Zach Levine. I thought Zach Levine should have been the starter anyway, but him, um, um, but him and DeRozan were both guards, so – um, DeRozan got the and I'm, DeRozan was another one that people was yeah cause they tell me he's a small four he's he's actually always been a shooting guard he was a shooting guard in Toronto you know you go to, you can go on basketball reference and he, he's listed as a power forward on basketball reference when the hell has DeMar DeRozan ever played power forward in his life never it's like I said never. it's like the Magic Johnson thing you go back like, and look on basketball reference DeMar DeRozan is not a power forward I don't even want I couldn't even have a serious conversation with like just, but, it's four guards on the court even, that don't mean one of them is a power forward it's just four guards on the court even when in their smart, and even in that lineup, he's not the powerful. No, he handles, <laughs> he handles the ball on the wing still. Like it's just four, it's just a, it's just two. It's more likely it's two point guards, two shooting guards out there. Yeah. I don't think we have, like we want to go to positionless basketball, but then we do this. Like this is what this player is listed as, so this way he should be voted as. Like no, nah, Demar Derozan. He's a shooting guard. He's always been a shooting guard. Thank you. He's just having me on the court with other shooting guards. But I think the All-Star game should be fun this year. What I don't think is going to be fun, because it's fresh in my head, because they changed the format, is the rookie sophomore game, which, to, I guess, try to draw more interest in it, they changed the format again to where it's going to be it's going to be the G League. It's going to be, what, three teams? Yeah, so how they're pretty much doing it is they're, they're choosing between 12, 12, Second year players, twelve rookies, first year players, and there's and then there's gonna be four G League at night players. I don't know why the G League at night players are involved since technically they aren't really in the NBA. They're there for development, but whatever. And 
they're supposed to split them up into three teams, I believe it is, and they're going to play like a tournament style to win a game, to win a championship or something like that. That's pretty much what they're doing. Adam Silver, just go back to rookies versus sophomores. If you want to have the G League and night players in it, go ahead and do it. Nobody cared about the world versus the whatever game. It was unnecessary. Just do rookies versus sophomores. It's, it's just that simple. Um, we would have loved to see when they were rookies like John Morant and Zion play on teams together just like we got to see LeBron, Wade, and Melo. Right. And we stuff like that. deprived of a John, John Zion <clears throat> versus Luka Trey thing in rookie sophomore game. Like Luka Trey would have been on the t- same, same team. team. Yeah. Like Luka, Luka and Trey, just go back <laughs> to rookies versus sophomores. It's, it's just that simple. <laughs> Nah, yeah, I agree with you. We can, we can stop that one right there. Cole Anthony says he's going to enter the slam dunk contest. We've all, I think we've all seen Cole Anthony high school highlights to this point. We've seen that he can jump out the gym. He can do some nice tricks with the ball. But when it comes to being a slam dunk contest contestant, I think it's a little different because now you actually have to have that personality in your dunks. Like, we all look at Vince Carter for what he was doing, but it was personality behind his dunks. You really truthfully think about it, like the honey dip, that's personality. Even the three, the three sixty windmill, that's personality. Like, I don't know if I think that's the problem. Like, we've seen every dunk out of the sun to this point that you could, that most of them could human possibly do. But who's really had that flair of a Vince Carter, of the Dwight Howard, Nate Robinson coming out of the all green Nate joint like kryptonite for Dwight Howard. Man, the closest you have was Zach Levine and then Adam Gordon. Like we get them every couple of every every couple of years, honestly. So this might be the year to do it because I mean, Cole, excuse me, Cole definitely has a lot of confidence. So I could definitely see him having some swag uh, with him out on the dunk contest. I don't know if I'm choosing him to win. I need to see the rest of the field. But um, I, if, if anything, I believe Cole will bring a show to the dunk contest. And for people that's questioning it, I feel like this is kind of like the Brandon Jennings thing, his rookie year. We say he was, was that his rookie year? We say he was going to enter the slam dunk contest, but he eventually didn't enter. Yeah, he didn't enter. It. Yeah, like, and I know people are like, oh, why would he only have like, I think up to that point in the season, he had like, out of all the, the four contestants, he would have had the least amount of dunks at like twenty five, or maybe it was two. Yeah, but most most of these guys in the NBA can do different type, of, like windmills, go right. to the legs. It's all about timing and stuff, nah, honestly. So, pretty much every player in the league can dunk. So, nah, yeah, yeah. You, if you if you you can figure it out. And Brandon, I mean, if you go back to his high school highlights, you can see him in the left line, literally going through the legs, windmills, throwing it up behind the uh, backwards dunks, everything. So he had hops. No, yeah, for sure. But I would, I, I kind of do who see, want to see who else is gonna be in it because Cole Anthony is an interesting one. Just to start it off, like who is gonna be the competition? I know the dunk contest hasn't really been the big draw over the last couple of years. It's been more the three point shootout, which I can't wait to see who's gonna be in that. Honestly, yeah, the last, the last, I think the last good dunk contest might have been the Aaron Gordon one, which has been a couple of years now. Um, so we do for a solid one. It's just a matter of what players are gonna get into it. That that's usually a draw because sometimes you do want to just see the ultra athletic players in it, but it's always cool when you get a star player or a young up and coming player um, that you kind of know who they are in the dunk contest. Oh, for sure. I seen something the other day, Jaron Jackson. I can't remember the exact date, but basically he's been leading the month. I think I'm pretty sure he's leading the month of January in blocks. And the next closest person is like 50 behind him. John Moran on Twitter said he's the you know NBA Defense Player of the Year. Do you think Jaron Jackson has a chance to be this? in that conversation with how good Memphis is? They are a good defensive team. He has been a solid rim protection rim protector for them. Do you think he has a chance of sneaking in there? This year, probably not. Probably not because even though he did that over the past month, that's not all season. So he still got to put more consistency with it. But that's job pumping up his teammate sure. to get him into the conversation because, I mean, it's it's still we, – we played more than half of the season now. So, But it's still some time to go. You put up some really impressive numbers. It's hard to get into that conversation because people – 
it just is what it is. Rudy Gobert will win it every year if you just leave it up to the normal people that writes it in. Maybe he's deserving of it every year. But sixth man of the year and defensive player of the year, it's always easy to just go to the names that you know. That's why wing players get overlooked all the time. Certain bigs get overlooked all the time because it's easy just to go to Rudy Gobert. To, to do it It's easy to Like it was just easy To give Lou Will And Jamal Crawford The sixth man of the year Every year It's gonna be Rudy Gobert And Draymond The defensive player of the year Every year Every couple of years It They That 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 Those awards Are ones where you have to Really dive in And look Like at more Than just the team defense And their analytical numbers because I mean when you play with better defenders your your numbers are always amazing. I mean Miles Turner's led the league in blocks for years and I don't think he, he make close. A, like he don't even come not, close to I'm, I'm not even to an all defense team. Nah, yeah, it's like how he how's he not even in con- consideration at times. So it, it's wing players that should be considered but we only get one every couple of years. It was Kawhi for the longest so nobody else could be in the conversation. But T Styles should be in conversation for defensive player of the year. We shouldn't just be talking about Draymond and Rudy Gobert. Nah, so that's that's what's gonna make it tougher for Jaron Jackson. No, nah, that's fair. And just real quick, you ain't gotta do it right now because I know you haven't thought about it, but you all ready to start your awards picking or award predictions? Not for I mean I've looked at some people overall. Uh, I, I like I got people who I like in the MVP. It, it what's funny for me is it, I always look at the whole whole totality of the season, and um, like people are gonna easily go with like Embiid is hot right now. And KD is out because I thought I thought KD was in the lead for a while, but then he gets hurt. But I mean, B missed some time at the beginning of the season too. So why does his miss time matter less than KD's miss time? The most consistent player throughout the season is Jokic. But then I, you know, you gotta look at how he's carrying Denver. Um, and that that's probably who my favorite is right now, honestly, because he's been the most consistent. He hasn't been out with injuries. His team has been hurt with injuries, and he's keeping them like he's winning games for them. I don't think you have to have the best record. I just think if you're in the top six, that's what helped Westbrook win it. It was the triple double. <coughs> Excuse me. It was the triple doubles, and if I'm not mistaken, they finished six that year, right? Yeah. Finishing top six, especially with a depleted roster, I think gets you points because it's like all right. He missing some players or all right, his talent not up to this level and he still got them in the sixth seed, which which is if you in the sixth seed in the West, I mean you probably kinda right. pretty close to the five, four seed, yeah. just like a little winning streak. So it's not the same as when you're like Steph finishing top three was kinda crazy to me last year because they were in the play in. They they were they finished like ninth. I don't think I would have fit voted him M V P last year, but if they were six, you probably could have won it. So with the Nuggets being six down Jamal Murray, down Michael Porter for the whole year, and he wasn't playing well when he was out there anyway, honestly. And he's he's been consistent because you gotta be like what takes them, what what gives them the advantage of the other one. Um, so he he's been out there the whole season. So Jokic is probably who I got in the lead right now. And then between, I mean, people are watching NB right now because KD is out, so they're gonna go more so NB. But when KD was out there, he was he he was he was doing the same thing and B was doing. So but I like Jokic right now in, in MVP. Rookie of the year, I still like Evan Mobley on top of that. I think Kay Cunningham is gaining some ground. Defensive player of the year. I've been looking at Thibault. I like Mobley in that con- that one is it yeah, I will say it's wide open. Um I, I like I like Thibault in that conversation. I like Mobley in that conversation. Yes, the rookie. Um I do like Miles Turner to get some consideration. I do like Gobert and, and Draymond's chances also. I think they're, they're worthy um, people, but I don't think it's uh, – I don't have that locked up. Right. The most interesting one for me has been most improved because in coming into the season, I thought it was a good chance with Jordan Poole. Recently, I've been saying I like uh, – I like DeJounte Murray to finish second, but I think it's Garland's. But I wonder, could Andrew Wiggins possibly be in that conversation? And probably not. I probably would give it to Garland over Andrew Wiggins. I like Garland in most improved. 
just a quick thought. Like with having, I know you say you got Evan Mobley in there for defense player of the year, and not as not just not because he's a rookie, but do you think playing with Jared Allen, some people kind of chop some of those votes off of him? That too, because I was gonna say he may lose some votes because I I do think Jared Allen deserves some consideration. So, but I think Mobley does more. Jared Allen definitely protects the paint for them, but you'll see Mobley in the paint. You'll see him switching on the outside. So that that's why I give Mobley a little more. I give him a little, not that he deserves more credit, but I, I got him more in that conversation because of how versatile he is. That's why I think he's the key to the, him and Garland are the key to the whole Cleveland team, honestly, because they're, he, Mobley makes them versatile on offense and defense. And we done talked about that before, so I don't got to go too deep into it. The Atlanta Hawks have won seven games in a row. I think it's. I think they're one game out of the play-in spot. Now they should be in. Or did that win against the Lakers put them right there? They're yeah, they're in tenth. They're in play-in. Well, they're and in then, play-in. especially the Wizards lost the other night. So yeah. And as 10. we all know, the season is a marathon. Yep. Season, it's a long season, as you like to say, survival of the fittest, survival of the strongest. To see where the Hawks are now, considering where they were two, three weeks ago when they looked like they were kind of falling off the rails, the fans were kind of turning on Nate McMillan. I haven't seen any of that talk lately about firing Nate. Outside of just the defensive effort, what's been the real thing that's helped the Hawks in this seven-game win streak? First, you have to start with the fact that they have their whole team back. Everybody is back. Um, they, Andrew they Hunter missed today against the Lakers. They, no, he played. Oh yeah, yeah oh, he yeah, ended up playing. Play. Yep, okay. he played. Okay. They they have the they, the Hawks had their full roster, in the uh, the 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 other night against the Kings. We went to that game. They had the full roster in that game for the first time since like March of twenty. 2021 last year basically so everybody was there um, because even remember you gotta think last year like even when they went on the win streak they still were down Cam because Cam was out hurt Uh so this is the first time they had everybody there so you get everybody back and healthy everyone looks healthy Uh um so that's helping spread the offense around too. The second unit has looked really strong because we've been to a couple games recently, and the first the the starters have have kind of lagged, but like Gallo has, you could tell he's in good shape, shape now. Yeah. Like he's in real because he and he started season hurt. He started season hurt last year. He started season hurt, then he got hit with COVID. You could tell he's in shape. Like he got he dunked backwards the other day. His step backs <laughs> is going crazy. So to have him. Their second unit is better than most people's second unit. So, like, they, I've literally watched them coming to the game now 10, and the second unit is so much better than the other second unit. They're getting some firepower. Like, Lou has shown some life recently. DeLon Wright is playing better. Um, I just think having everybody back makes the ball spread around. There's more shots. Bogdanovich has been big in his last couple games back. Um so every more people being there makes it spread around, and that doesn't make the ball stick with Trey. I'm real big on the Hawks don't win when Trey take ten plus more shots than the, than the other players on the team, even if it's nine more shots. Trey doesn't need to be taking ten plus more shots than everyone else on the team, and since everybody's been back, I mean, even tonight Trey had thir- had thirty six. He took I think about twenty two shots tonight, um, and he, but. Uh, John Collins got 13. I think uh, Gallinari took nine. Um, Dre took five. Kevin Hurd is getting shots. By Everybody's getting shots, so it's different. Opposed to it was a lot of games before where Trey was 25 shots and the next closest was eight. And we weren't the Hawks weren't winning like that. No, yeah, definitely. And not the hard on them because And the defense has gotten better yeah, also. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, just that defensive effort, honestly. Like and it's all been since MLK Day. I know Pat Benton is real proud. Pat Benson put that mm-hmm. up on Twitter the other day. Yep. We, we we talked about it on that episode that the streak was gonna start with, with that Bucks game and they pulled it together, um, and got it together. And I think another key has been they gotten Capella back recently, but even while they were waiting on Capella to get back, um, Big O, he he really showed a lot of. He's shown that he's gonna be a force defensively because he moves really well. He protects the paint pretty good, which is crazy because he's only like six eight. So he does protect the paint pretty good. But and now you got Capella back, 
and Capella's looking like he's in a little bit better shape than he was to start the year, too. So the defensive effort has been better, too. But having the whole roster back helps. No, for surely. And like I say, just real quick, I know, you know the trade happening is over. And sometimes you guys just, you know, sometimes getting rid of players helps the whole team overall. Do you think maybe getting Cam Reddish in, out of there in the trade kind of helps? Because it kind of not everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be at. There's not as many ball handles on the second unit now. It's really just the line right and Lou Williams. Like you don't camp, you don't have to worry about camp finding camp. Let camp find his rhythm and motion into it because he's not just gonna spot up and shoot. Do you thought kind of think that subtraction was the best addition in this situation? I mean, I think it helped overall because for one. They were trying to find minutes and things like that from for Cam, but at the end of the day, I, I'm a big component of having that 10, 11 deep really don't mean nothing. Like, it's really a headache. It, you really rather just have a strong eight. And when they were winning last year, Cam wasn't really a part of that. So people did kind of like, if we're going through Trey, he has the ball. John Collins is kind of the secondary option, but really we – Dre is really kind of because if you really notice they want Dre to be that wing scorer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is supposed to be like that Kawhi for them or whatever. So when he's going, they try to put the confidence in him to go. So everybody already got that kind of that pecking order. Bogdanovich, whether he's starting to come off the bench, you know when he's in, he's looking for his shot. He's handling the ball, pick and roll and stuff like that. And then for Kevin Hurt, so a lot of those roles were already taken, and then you're trying to find a minute for. Cam, and so now you got to deal with his consistency or inconsistency because this, since his rookie year, this is his first time really playing. He was hurt last year or whatever. So now being able to lock it, and, and it's not like he, Cam had some good games, but it's not like he's just knocking your socks off every night. He's not scoring 30 every night. He's not scoring 20 every night. He, he's giving good effort every night. He's making good plays, but. Sometimes it is just to have those no, good to have those solidified people. Honestly, Nate, you know, he's one of the coaches that is stuck in his ways, and he got comfortable playing certain players last year, and that helped win. So I'm sure it helps that being cleared up, knowing all right, we going to these guys, and then you could figure out if Kevin Knox helps. I mean, he's honestly Kevin Knox has played more than Cam has played in New York, but it's not like you you're trying necessarily to get Kevin Knox minutes. If you can get him in, you get him in. So that that's really a man down in your rotation. It's it's a man down in your rotation, but your rotation more solidified because you were trying to give out too many minutes because they didn't want to sit Cam because what if this is the night that he goes for 30? What is this is the night where he gives those big defensive efforts? So you want to try to find minutes for him, but that 11 deep Multiple players, things, it, it, it don't, that's not it how you sound, win in the NBA for It sounds good. It sounds good. But that ain't how you win in the NBA for That's only good for trade bait. Basically, <laughs> that's trade talk. Basically, really. they could be I mean, you just got to think. Cam was a, he played 24 minutes a night here, almost 25 a night. And they traded him for a player that they don't plan on playing. So, you, most of the times, if you lose twenty five minutes, that's a you would think that's an important piece to the team. Cam was supposed to be important to what the Hawks were trying to do, but the fact that you can lose twenty five minutes a night and it doesn't really disrupt your rotation, it just shows that you were trying to feed too many players, which happens at times like that. You do want to see what Cam gives for you because, like you said, he can have that night where he's going. It's like all right, when he's going, he'll make three, four threes in a row get to the bucket and make some assists so you want to let him do it but when he's not going then you got to deal with that factor oh for sure Miami Heat have taken the, over the number one spot in the Eastern Conference they're a game ahead of Chicago Bulls I think it's a game and a half now and of course all offseason people talk about the Miami Heat not as necessarily a contender but as a team that can ruin the contenders playoff chance, championship chances, I can say. Of course, they always tell, you know, Brooklyn better look out for this team, Milwaukee, Philly, better look out for the Miami Heat. And at some point, because Miami Heat do have championships, they have three in their, in their team's history, they're always a good outing. But do you feel like Miami Heat get the contender talk or is it just they're always an underdog talk? Like, I feel like it's more nobody takes them serious as a contender, but they're always a great underdog to take. Do you kind of feel the same way? 
Honestly, they get that because of some of the role players they get. But truth be told, this year, I didn't look at them as underdogs. You got Bam, who is supposed to be a consistent all-star. You got Jimmy Butler, who you paid a lot of money to be there. You paid Duncan Robinson a lot of money to be there. You you, you going to trade for Kyle Trade Lowry. for Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry's making 30 a year. I thought Miami should have been trying to compete, honestly. But they do fall in the underdog because – they're low key and this the Miami Heat way and stuff like that. So, but they became underdogs because they were missing a lot of players. But if the Heat didn't finish top four, honestly, they really didn't have a great season. I didn't expect them to be number one, but I always looked them at, at them as a team that should have been trying to compete in the East. And it's oh, not like sure. you're just developing. Jimmy Be- Jimmy Butler's not a young player. Kyle Lyra's not a young player. So, I mean, he's trying to win the finals, oh, honestly. No, yeah. They're trying to win this year, really. Oh, no, yeah, I definitely agree. But, like, I just, I could just, I'm just People thinking do back give to them the, the underdog. That's, they, that's yeah. how, like, a lot of sports talk, talk sports talk, talk about them. Like, they're an underdog instead of them being a contender. Like, yeah, he, I know a lot well, of people. trying to win now. now. No, yeah, they are. But <laughs> I, like, just think about some off-season conversations, like, especially with, with Brooklyn over. They can give Brooklyn a scare in the playoffs. Like, why would they give them a scare? Why can't they just yeah, no, outright beat them beat as a contender, as, as a championship contender? And like I said, I think it does have to do with that Heat coach. And I also think it has to do with them never, outside of Wade and Shaq and LeBron, you know, players they traded and signed for Chris Bosh, they've never had a superstar personality on that team. Not superstar talent, like not all-star talent. Like Jimmy Butler is a good personality, but Jimmy Butler is out so much. You never really get to see Jimmy Butler. Bam is pretty quiet off the court. Tyler Hero, I don't think he's reached that level of household nameship yet. Nah, hell no. But do you think the Miami Heat is one of them teams? It's never going to happen because that's not how they operate. If one falls into the lap, they'll take it. But do you kind of think that is what Miami's missing to be considered a championship contender instead of a playoff ruiner, I guess? I want. I guess we can call them that because they're not an underdog, but they like I said they get talked about as an underdog. Yeah, probably, probably so. Because uh, I don't know what they would be missing, but that 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 does usually do it because Miami. Will we say that Miami is a, ma- a major market team? I don't think so. So it's like they're like one of those middle market teams where. Like, the Heat fans care if they win because they won, but they really don't. Because it was always the thing about how, like, the fans didn't stay for the game. People, it's, it's a strong history of people getting on the fans right. or whatever. But like, if they did consistently have that player, because when it was Wade, they were a draw. They did really mess with Wade. Think of some of those LeBron years where you would see fans get there really until the it, second quarter. Because it wasn't just Wade. When it was just Wade, they were showing up. But when it was Wade and LeBron, it was too much. They took their time. <laughs> they took their time like, it, was, it was a lot it, of times it, it, they, they, they say they it's always so much other stuff going on like, in Miami or whatever but I think they just, I think it's just because you don't hear Pat Riley or anybody saying anything crazy they don't make big outlandish moves or whatever even a major signing for like Kyle Lowry was like still kind of low key so that's why people just look at them as like oh yeah they can make some noise but and this roster they need to be trying to compete for a championship Jimmy Butler make we ain't got to talk about how much he's making. But Jimmy Butler's getting paid to win a championship. Right. And, like, there's still waiting on Victor Oladipo to come back and see how he works into that, to the roster. I don't even know does, when he's coming does back. Does Victor Oladipo seriously contribute to Miami? I think coming off the bench, yeah. Like, if he's healthy, right? Yeah. I don't think they should try to force him in the starting lineup, but I think if he's healthy. Yeah, he who can, would he start over? Well, uh, Max Struess is starting right now over Tyler Harrell and Duncan Robinson. So. I know Tyler comes off the bench. Off yeah. the bench. I yeah. thought D- Duncan was back in the starting line. Well, maybe he is. I know last time I seen that he was coming off the bench, but you never know. Yeah, I think he's made it back to the starting line up now. But speaking of former Miami Heat players, Goran Dragic, who was in the Calari trade to the from the to the Toronto Raptors from Miami Heat, mm. he hasn't played a game this season, to my knowledge. Mm. And the Toronto Raptors don't necessarily look like they're tanking right now because they got a lot of healthy players, especially their better players. Toronto's in eighth place, so they're trying to make playoffs. The way you feel about how John Wall isn't playing in Houston, regardless of what their situation is, why isn't that same kind of talk being, maybe it is, I don't know, but I haven't really heard him out talking about it. Why isn't that same conversation being had with Goran Dragic of, 
either a let him put get him on the if he's if he's hurt that's one thing I don't know if he's hurt or not but either a get him on the court or be trade him like what are you holding him for? So when I when I looked at it, I'm looking it up on Basketball Reference it says that he's been and he hasn't played because it says he's been out since November 30th. It says he's out for a personal matter. So excuse me, there's no timetable for his return. But it's also been well spoken of how basically he wanted to play for Dallas because he wanted to play with Luka and that's how he's going to end his career in the NBA. He wanted to play with Luka for however many years he got left. So that has been something that's been swept under the rug but because I I hadn't even thought about it because I really didn't know that he wasn't playing honestly but I do think it has something to do with he, he wants to play uh, he wants to play with Luca for sure, and it is something that people are overlooking because Toronto is playing pretty well, and they have a really solid organization overall. Um, but I guess maybe, I guess if if they're on the same page about it, that's when I don't have a problem with it. So that I don't know. Maybe they're on the same page. We don't really need you. You don't really want to be here anyway. We can't just give you to Dallas, so I guess they're going to figure it out later. But when it is different where want the player want to play and stuff like that and you just hold them out, that's when I don't, I don't like it in those situations for sure. But So maybe they, they're working it out. I don't, I don't really know, though, because no, yeah, it's not getting coverage. So. No, yeah, that's, no, that's just hope. I don't think right. maybe they have already agreed to something we just don't know. But like I said. They have said he want to play with Dallas. And it's just like it's just one of the things that's not being talked about anywhere. Like, I don't think anybody's realized. Toronto, maybe to, I'm pretty sure, you know, people in Toronto, people that cover the Toronto Raptors have talked about it. But I don't think anybody's actually noticed that Goran Dragic hasn't played a game for the Toronto Raptors this right. year in a season where they probably could use him to get to gain some playoff leverage. And, and he played overseas. He played in the Olympics this summer with uh with uh, Slovenia. So yeah, like I said, maybe yeah. they're working on something. Maybe Iguodala style. Like, and it's funny because Dallas probably wanted him. Until I mean Jalen, how Jalen Bronson is playing, but they can still use them off the bench. bench. They could sure. definitely use them off the bench. <clears throat> no, excuse me. Yeah, they definitely can use them off the bench. Like I said, just a funny and, situation. And Dallas is rolling right now too, so. Nah, you're good for Dallas. So as I'm on Twitter scrolling every day, just through NBA Twitter, two things have come up almost every day: the Knicks in turmoil and Sacramento trading De'Aaron Fox. Of course, a lot of the trade talk is really a lot of people just saying just do a swap for Darren Fox with Julius Randle. Say somebody say somebody yeah. do that. So um, Julius Randle can be the stretch for that Tyree Tyler Halliburton need, and that way Tyler Halliburton get the um, basically take over the point guard spot, and then New York get the point guard that they need in De'Aaron Fox. I don't know if that trade will happen or not, but I kind of I guess if you're Sacramento and you're looking to get off De'Aaron Fox. I guess you do that trade, but I still feel the I feel the same way as when I saw the Sabonis trade. If you're Sacramento and you got a player who's already kind of budding right there, and you can bring in an All Star big man for him, maybe trade the younger player. I don't know, maybe I don't know, but you still like what is Sacramento trying to do? Because you still got Marvin Bagley on the team as well, who will be in that spot. So if I trade for Julius Randle, Marvin Bagley is definitely a part of that deal. Um, and I would be sending him to New York. But I know Tills would definitely prefer De'Aaron Fox because he's older. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically. <laughs> so I definitely know he would prefer him. But, I mean, could, why would Sacramento want to do that, honestly? Because I mean, Halliburton. They're not for anything, but, I guess. But, exactly, but you're not building for nothing. But obviously, Julius Randle doesn't fit Halliburton's timeline unless you're thinking that he's already ready to win and he's the better player going forward than De'Aaron Fox because that could be what they think. Maybe they think De'Aaron Fox, the ship is sailed. We like Halliburton. He's going to be the starting point guard. Maybe that's what they think. I don't know. We tried to figure out what they're thinking the other day. <laughs> it didn't work out. <laughs> and they looked pretty terrible when we went to watch them play. They looked terrible when Davion Mitchell wasn't in the game. They, they did, and, and Gentry took him out of the game with a lot of bad subs, but whatever. But if I'm the, if I'm honestly, if I'm the Knicks, and I could trade Julius Randle for De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, 
I would do it. Why not? Go ahead. You get the point guard you need. That gets more times for Obi. Maybe Marvin Bradley finds his game in New York. And you can go on from there, honestly. Um, That's fair. Sacramento. Got Julius Randle. <laughs> Halliburton. Maybe you think that's push you in a better chance to make the playoffs because, I mean, you still got veterans in Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Hill. So I don't know if you're getting out of those players too. But maybe they if you think that Halliburton is the player to lead you now and you could possibly win because even though he's young, he he really is kind of older. Well, Halliburton. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think I, I, was a sophomore. Or yeah, yeah. Like so he, he's, he's a little bit older than – players are these days but I seen an interesting fact though that just speaking of player ages you know Buddy Hill and Harrison Barnes is the same age maybe somebody was over exaggerating but I seen on Twitter that Harrison Barnes and Buddy Hill is the same age that really doesn't even make sense to me like yeah cause they were uh, they were like years apart in the draft but I'm right? pretty sure Buddy Hill got red shirted as well but he had definitely got registered, but he had definitely came, came out, out as a junior. So he definitely was in school for a while. Somebody exaggerating on Twitter. But that that's how it is. I, I, it wouldn't be surprised. Like, and Harrison Barnes came out as a he came out as a sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, so. but it just seemed like because they were in two totally different draft classes. Yeah. Like, totally different. Like, the NBA wasn't even the same when Harrison Barnes got drafted. At, at all. Like, not even close. Yeah, Halliburton, he's tw- he's 21. So. No, Buddy Hill. No, I was looking at Halliburton because oh, I was trying to figure out how much older oh. um, he was. Wait, Buddy Hill? Yeah, Buddy Hill is. He is pretty old, I guess. But, dang, I mean, he's almost 30. Yeah. So, with, and with that being said, if you go get Julius Randle, why would you once again? Why would you trade De'Aaron Fox? Because and wait, and Buddy Hill's a five-year pro. Harrison Barnes is a nine-year pro. Wait, so they are the same age? They're the same. Yeah, Harrison, they're both twenty-nine. Harrison Barnes is is twenty-nine. He, I mean, he he's going to be thirty soon uh, before Buddy Hill, but Buddy Hill is twenty-nine. And when you hear that, and I know Buddy Hill, like say Buddy Hill's only been in the league for five years, but once again, if you hear that, if you and you think of trading for Julius Randle or Demontis Sabonis, players who've made All Star games and helped the team go to the playoffs, why would you want to go younger instead of sticking with the older players? So now maybe we build something with not necessarily veteran players, but players who have experience in the league at this point. It's my question now. Right. Like I said, you basically just got to be building towards him. Maybe you're okay with Halliburton and Davion Mitchell, and that's what you think going to get you in the playoffs because, I mean, even Davion is – he he's older, he's too, older for a young player. Yeah. He's older than Halliburton, and he's a rookie. Hmm. So. And just speaking of Halliburton real quick, who I know a lot of people love coming out of college and still loves his dad. I know there was some questions about him. And I would say this, and I know this ain't the thing. We ain't supposed to say this. So, he got to work on his shooting form. Like, I just, it's one too many times where he tries to step back and he can't get the shot off because it looks like he's fumbling with the ball in his hand, but he's not. That's just how he shoots. No, he think it's okay <clears throat> because he was able to get some shots off last year. And I remember him saying how people said he wasn't going to make it because of his shooting form. But once they started scouting you and figuring out how to take it away, that's what happens in the NBA. So call your cousin. He Eddie Jones' cousin. Call up Eddie. Tell the way he Eddie Jones' cousin. He, he does like kind of. He look like a little. Exactly. Call up Eddie. <laughs> tell, tell him to teach you the three-point layup and go get yourself right. <laughs> three-point layup. <laughs> three-point layup. Tell, tell him to teach you the, the free-throw line layup. <laughs> I shot Eddie Jones. I, I didn't know that. Like, yeah. at all. Like, yeah, that's so what's up. Call, call up, call up, Eddie, man. Get Once right. again, because we always like to say this when I hear stuff like that, that just goes to show how the NBA, like most sports leagues, honestly, is just a big, it's a brotherhood for real. Like, if you know somebody, you relate to somebody, it's a good chance you're going to get there, as you like to always say. Yeah, basically, is the NBA is full of family members, literally. So, leading up, like, leading up to the All-Star game, All-Star starters are voted, already voted in there. John Morant, first-time All-Star starter, who a lot of people thought 
you know, coming into the season, he would have the best chance of all the young point guards to be an all-star. Maybe not necessarily a starter, but it'll space there for it. Do you think that the veterans are going to kind of let him get a lot of work in, seeing as he's, you know, a younger player at this point, and a lot of those players are either going for championships or just older in their careers, and it might not just be that for them anymore? I would say it depends on if LeBron is really hurt or not because I know he knows he's closer to the end than he is the beginning. So this is most definitely going to be his last time playing an all-star game at Cleveland. So I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron try to get the MVP this year. But LeBron has missed the last couple games because of injury. And if you remember last year, he didn't really care for the All-Star game because they told him that they weren't going to have one, and then they did. So he was kind of – not just him. A lot of, a lot of players were upset about the game, so they didn't really want to be there. KD was talked about that on his podcast last week, I think. Right. He was saying it was just weird. The energy was weird there because people didn't want to be there. So this year maybe a little bit different because people expected an All-Star game. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron try to win MVP. And before we get out of here, last all-star game related question, or probably last question of the show. Which one of what's a long, no, what long-term all-star veteran do you kind of see missing this year? I think this is your Dame don't make it, but who do you think is not gonna make it? That's been like a mainstay as all-star. Yeah, I don't think Dame makes it this year. Uh, really, Dame or Anthony Davis. Huh. Um, AD is just not coming back, so that's going to probably keep him out. But, yeah, I would say probably Dane more than likely. I'm trying to think of somebody else that would have made more consecutives than Dane that's not out there this year. But, yeah, I think Westbrook. Dane. Thank Dane. Dane and Westbrook. Yep. Think West, yeah, Westbrook definitely made it last year. Yeah, Dane and Westbrook don't make it this year. Mm. No, I can see that. And, of course, it would be the two, two of the – you know, top point guards for over the past decade, they probably get knocked out at all. So, game because of injuries or just not playing up to par with some of the young players. But it's something that just has to happen eventually at some point. I know, of course, before we got here, everybody was, uh, you know, going, reacting crazy to the Tom Brady retirement news, or maybe he hasn't retired, I don't know. But then you had people saying, you know, of course, the – Man, I you know I ain't gonna be ready for the day when LeBron and Katie and Steph and all those players retire. See somebody throw RJ Barrett in there in one post, but it's like this is what happens, and I think that we should embrace young players, especially when we see them make the All Star game because this is gonna be their league one day, and we're gonna you know get to a point where it's all oh, we better not you know we better cherish these players while they're here eventually one day. Right, the game don't stop for nobody. They all gonna go. No, nah, but other than that, you got anything else? Uh, no, nah, that's it for this week. Just as always, shout out to all the listeners. You know, we hear with y'all every Monday on the Nothing But Net channel through the Dash Radio app. Um, shout out to the Off the Ball Network. Uh, you can catch us every Wednesday for the uh, Hoopers Afternoon Session, twelve o'clock. Off the Ball Network's Facebook page. The Hoopers YouTube page and the Hoopers Twitter page. Um, make sure you go to the YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube. Just search the Hoopers Pod on YouTube. And also, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Just search the Hoopers Pod on your favorite podcasting service. That being said, I'm John Davies. Fresh X. This is the Hoopers Hour. Nothing but that radio presented to you by Dash Radio.